Welcome to Amplify Podcast, the podcast where we are trying to amplify each other's lives through fitness, health, mindset, entrepreneurship, lifestyle, topics, and tips. I am your host, Austin Pace. Let's get it. As a natural lifter, how do you bulk up? without getting fat? That's the question I'm going to be dissecting in this video. I just started my own bulking phase about a week ago. It's been a while since I've done a bulk and I'm here at Chipotle right now. So let me feast real quick and then we'll dive into this topic. What's going on my Gucci's? I'm really glad you clicked on this video. Welcome to my channel. If you do not know who I am, my name is Austin Pace. I'm a certified personal trainer, entrepreneur who owns my own online in-person fitness business, Amp Athletics. Basically on this channel, I make a wide variety of fitness related videos and topics and content. And basically my life mission is to be the most relatable, best freaking personal trainer on the planet of earth. And I've really learned a shit ton over these last few years of experience, education, research, trial and error, and just being a trainer. And this is really the first transformation I made for myself that made me fall in love with fitness and always itching to learn more. Before we dive into this video, all I ask is for you to smack that thumbs up button. And if you want to see me try the 10,000 calorie challenge once again, first time was brutal, but I will do it again once I hit 2000 subscribers. So hit that subscribe button. We're getting close. I will for sure do it. That's a promise. Anyways, let's get into the video. I'm going to assume that you are probably aware that you must bulk up and gain weight in order to increase your muscle mass, which is why you probably want to learn how to go on a successful bulk. A few questions that I'm guessing you might have would be, how long should your bulking phase be? How can you bulk and minimize the amount of body fat that you will gain? And basically overall, what exactly should you do to run a successful bulking phase? And basically these mistakes unnecessarily made me more fat than I needed to be. You see in my past, I thought a bulk, the point of a bulk meant to eat a lot. And like, I mean a shit ton. Also, I felt that there was no need to really track my calories at all, as long as I was just stuffing my face and eating anything in sight. And ultimately this mindset uh, just became a huge guessing game and really just made me gain weight way too quickly. And basically in regards to my training back then, I thought that focusing on low rep, high intensity training and trying to increase my one rep max as high as possible would be the best way to add muscle mass. So going back to those three questions I think that you might have, my plan is to attack them with my best, most simplified explanation possible. So how long should your bulk be? See, the answer for all fitness questions is always it depends. But in this case, I'm going to assume that the majority of y'all watching this video would consider yourselves to be a beginner to intermediate lifter. I think for 90% of people, dedicating the next seven months to a bulk makes most sense, but you won't be gaining weight every single month. Let me explain. When I started doing more research and learning more, I got a lot of credible information and found lots of success from applying research done from Dr. Mike Isertel and the whole team from Renaissance Periodization. Now, when I started applying everything I learned, I typically would spend the first two months of my seven month bulking phase in a caloric surplus, just enough to gain around a half pound to one full pound per week. No more than one pound per week or else you will be getting fat too fast. During these two months, I trained with high volumes. The majority of my training volume was done using big compound lifts. Just like when I was trying to do strength training when I was bulking, I was focusing the majority of my volume using exercises like squats, barbell bench, barbell rows, deadlifts, simply because these lifts are the most disrupting and will give you the best bang for your buck rather than wasting a bunch of time doing lots of isolation and cable work. Now the biggest difference was I started training these big movements in the six to 12 rep range. This rep range has been proven to maximize myofibular and sacroplasmic hypertrophy, which is the type of muscle growth that we are looking for. This ultimately will make you functionally stronger and will increase the size of your muscle tissue, which cannot be done when training with rep ranges and intensities lower than six reps. Now I was applying progressive overload every single week by increasing my volume, either through reps, weight, sets, and or the intensity. I did this every single week. My workouts were getting a little bit longer, a little bit harder, and I would include a deload week if I felt it was necessary. Now this type of high volume training with these big hard compound movements accumulates a lot of fatigue, which is why during month three, I reduced my training volume substantially and went back to focusing on the same movements 
in that strength-oriented rep range, more of the three to five strength-building rep range. And what this did is gave my body a break from high-volume training, which can become stale if you stick to it for too long. Now, during month three, when I was doing this lower-volume training, I also lowered my calories back down to maintenance. Now, because I took this break from high-volume training and gave my body a break from high calories, when I went back into month six, I went back into high-volume training, I increased my calories back into a surplus. I chose some different exercise variations and I found myself progressing and responding to this training immediately. I also continued with this high volume training for month five and six. So that's three months in a row that I continued with high volume training after month three. I'm not gonna lie, three months in a row with high volume training with those big compound movements was a grind. And on month seven, I went back and repeated exactly what I did during month three to give my body another break from the high volume training. Now, I probably could have continued and done maybe two or three more months max in that high volume training state with higher calories after month seven, but I found that that seven month phase was the sweet spot for me. So I pretty much just told you exactly what I did and the structure I used to run a successful seven month bulk, but I wanna to explain to you why this works so well and how this is going to help you not get fat when you're bulking. You see, this allows you to break up your time spent in a caloric surplus gaining weight. Although I considered these seven months a bulking phase, I really was only gaining weight in that calorie surplus for five out of the seven months. Giving your body that one month reduction in calories helps level out your water retention, reduces bloat, and will resensitize your metabolism, which eventually will hit a wall if you spend too many consecutive months in that caloric surplus. Now, it's important for me to mention that I was tracking my calories during this bulk, and I think it's very crucial that you do too, at least for the first month, so you can gauge where that perfect caloric surplus amount is for you, so you are not gaining more than a pound per week. You see, people who get fat too quick during a bulk or just gain too much fat in general are those who aren't controlling their calories and they're gaining more than a pound per week. They're in way too high of a caloric surplus and they also fail to ever take a one month break to reduce their calories and maintenance during their bulking phase. As far as the training, the periodization was key for my success. And this ultimately is because when you use high volume training with big lifts and you're in a caloric surplus, you're gonna maximize your ability to add lean muscle tissue. And the more lean muscle tissue you can add during a bulking period, the less body fat that will be gained from the weight that you are putting on. Now look, I understand science isn't sexy. A lot of people never go out of their ways to see and read about uh, proven principles, science-backed principles in regards to training and diet. But in my opinion, if you're serious about this and you wanna get the best results, you might as well use and apply science-backed research principles rather than just doing things that you think make the most sense to do when you're trying to bulk. You have to understand the more muscle mass that you have, the leaner you will be at a higher body weight. And really what this means is if you were to gain four pounds of lean muscle tissue during your bulk, whatever your body weight was prior to your bulk, sitting at 10% body fat, would be four pounds heavier. Now, obviously, if you're spending five out of the seven months in a caloric surplus and say you gain a pound a week like you should be gaining, you're gonna gain more than four pounds, but you cannot expect every single pound gained to be lean muscle tissue. Science has proven that in order to gain muscle mass, you must be gaining weight. So if you start your bulk when you're already pretty lean, you must accept that you will be losing some definition and gaining body fat in the process. It is short-term sacrifice for long-term gain but you can minimize the amount of body fat you gain and not go overboard as long as you're tracking your calories, you're in that caloric surplus, not gaining more than a pound a week. If you can complement your nutrition with high volume training, that's going to maximize your potential for muscle growth. And if you implement those one month breaks where you reduce your training volume, give yourself a break from high volume training and simultaneously reduce your calories to maintenance to allow yourself to drop some water weight and take a break from higher calories. Now look, I can make a hundred more videos on like individual topics that I touched on in this video. So if you want me to dive into even more detail on anything in particular, please leave me a comment below. I will create the best content possible to help you get a better understanding of these concepts. I'm also gonna put a link in the description box to some of Renaissance Periodization's content and some of the things I touched on in this video for you to go read about yourself. Anyways, I hope this video made sense and uh, was very applicable for you to be able to structure and develop your own plan of attack for a successful bulking phase. If you wanna connect with me even further, hit me up on Instagram. I'm posting daily content. And if you wanna send me a message, I'm always willing to have a chat, say what's up. Until then, thank you so much for watching this video leave it a thumbs up leave a comment below for any future videos you want to see i will see you in the next one
stairs in like 20 minutes. All right. So I'm going to just kind of gently bow out after about 20 minutes. But if you think about it, like, have you watched Joe Rogan stuff, though? They just kind of go in and out. Of that right. Thing. Right. Hey, guys, we're about ready to go run a badass class. <sighs> they do kind of go in and out. I'm about to uh, do a working. But yeah. these batteries Whoa. are terrible. This battery's about to die already. Been on charger for two days. Well, I don't think it's a huge deal if we don't. Yeah. I'll get but this will be cool when we get Oh, we can turn the volume up too. Shit. Oh. Jesse, you need a chair. I'm gonna grab. Yeah. Let's just position these mics too so we can all kind of be around here. Man, man, man. Dude, I'm a fucking technical genius. Yeah, we honestly, we'll have to get one more mic, maybe. Okay, was it? Okay. All right, I think it's on. Okay, so, I got uh, my two buddies here, Chrissy and Jess E. For those who have uh, been listening, yes, I, I, I literally have said this every episode, like, okay, I'm going to post it. I'm back on the podcast. I'm going to post an episode every week. But now it's, it's fucking game on. So we got some mics here. Chrissy and Jess. God, what the fuck? Jesse and Chris. Two owners of you the gym here. What's that? I like that. Chrissy <laughs> and Jess. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Are the owners of the gym that I work at. And really, like I was thinking the other day, we, were, we talk like on, we talk all the time, but on, it was like a Thursday uh, when we're going to be filming these podcasts. We just have these conversations. I'm like, man, we really need to film this and, and make a podcast. And that's really what podcasts are, the conversation. So they're here with me today. And, uh, you know, we're going to have on guests every single week. A lot of exciting guests that uh, I think we're excited to bring on and talk to them, interview them, have some good conversations. But I think today we should just have a conversation just about random stuff so they can figure out what you guys are about a little bit. Well, Jesse's been on one episode. I have. I have. Yeah. It almost got me, you know, some good little stardom there. Yes. Uh, fame. So I'm excited. I appreciate the love. Well, so Jesse, I think of Jesse. Like, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of Jesse, Chris? When I think of Jesse, uh, intense. Intense. Ooh. Intense. As far as what he's about. Yeah. Oh, well, that's kind of what I mean. Like, he's pretty intense in everything he does, which I like. Uh, you know, he's, he's one of those guys where he's kind of, kind of, I'd like to think of as, uh, you know, like a, a uh, peanut M&M. You know, you got to you got to crack that shell before you can actually get to the peanut. I would agree. Yeah. Okay. So, I actually I do agree cuz you know, when I first came here, it was like, okay, these are the two owners. Well, the first thing, you remember the first thing you did and I thought it was kind of like weird a little bit. Oh, yeah, what was I, that? The first thing when I got in here what you did. I don't remember. To me. What was it? Your son was here, and you're like, oh. you're just like, take him through a couple drills. Yeah. I didn't know anything about your son. I didn't know shit. And I was right. like, drills. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and the reason behind that was is uh, people that watch, that, that are familiar with Austin's uh, social media, at least at that time, really, it was, hey, this guy's a big meathead. This guy is just a bodybuilder. Is he really a good trainer? Is he somebody that can just adapt on the fly? Because what we do here, you know, our, one of our biggest models of training that we do is group training. And I'm going, you know, is he going to be able to just, I mean, I think I, obviously he can teach anybody how to bench press and deadlift and, and uh, flex their muscles in front of a mirror. But is he actually going to be able to just take somebody on the fly that he knows nothing about and be able to adapt quickly? And I was actually pleasantly surprised I just said okay here, here's my son he plays soccer take him through some drills and he didn't hesitate he jumped right into it and I was like okay he can adapt he's not just a big meat whistle and <laughs> I think maybe he might be a good fit here yeah it was definitely a testing thing but no it total test and then when I met Jesse I was you know you're so right you just have to get to know him because I was like fuck this guy's gonna be really hard to, <laughs> to get to and get to like me because you know yeah 
obviously I wanted you guys both to like me and everyone's right. different. You got to, everyone's, you know, got their own way to get in and the inner circle. Right. So, uh, thing about Jesse is he'll tell you if you're not doing something yeah. he, he doesn't like. And honestly, some people crumble when they're that way, but any, right. my, one of my favorite managers I ever had before this job was someone who was really just straightforward with me, but, right. but he did a good job at not like micromanaging, you know, right. he gave me a lot of trust to me, at least that was the most effective strategy to just like make right. me do my best. I think, I don't know. Cool, man. Yeah. I, well, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. I, I do. I, uh, I'm not, yeah, I have a, I guess, you know, some might say a resting bitch face. I don't know. You know? <laughs> I'm a little, I, I might look a little hard on the outside, but, you know, I, I believe that I get along with most people as long as, you know, they, we all just respect one another. Just do what we got to do, you know, handle our business. That's what I'm all about, man. And I get along with anybody, but the minute, you know, I see something different from you, then I'll let you know. That's just how I've always been. Now, it would be a little bit different if you were like a, some skinny fuck. Yeah. But, <laughs> right, but right. If you can't, if you've never seen Jesse or haven't seen the right. video of his podcast, he competes in bodybuilding. He was a college athlete, played arena football. So he's yeah. not a, a small guy. No, not at all. Uh, put put in work, man. That's what what I, what I like about him is is he's a no nonsense guy, and me being a golf professional in my other career, you almost become the opposite of a no-nonsense guy, you kind of just become a nonsense guy because you're just constantly dealing with nonsense. And, <laughs> you know, and it's like, on I the like... Course? What's that? On the course? Uh, on the course, in the pro shop, uh, you know, just... It's a nonsense business as a golf professional. Most people think you're just out there playing golf with members and giving golf lessons, but that's actually not at all what it, what it is anymore. Uh, so, you know, you just deal with a lot of nonsense and you kind of learn to put up with a lot of nonsense and you learn to just look the other way on a lot of things because you know you're you're it's like well the you know the customer's always right well at a golf club you know members are pretty much all, always right and they can do whatever they want to do is what it kind of boils down to yeah. uh, but you know you, you it's 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 been a breath of fresh air to get around somebody it's like no you know let's do it the right way or let's not do it at all and uh, it's it's really been good for me I, I, I really have enjoyed that part of Cracking through that M&M and getting to that peanut. Yeah, baby. The shell of the M&M. So yeah. what's the difference between golf members, members at a golf course, and gym members? Well, that, that's a great question. And I think that's where Jesse and I tend to balance each other out pretty well. Because there is a level of customer service in a gym membership. But at the same time, you cannot, you can't be a guy that can just be a yes man all the time. Because as a, as a trainer, you also have to be looked at as somebody who is, the word authority is probably not really the right word. The right word's not really coming to my mind at the time. But you have to be looked at as kind of an authority figure at the same time because, you know, people come in and they're not really in the mood to necessarily do everything on certain days, you know. And you've got to be that guy that can sit there and go, okay, no, I don't care what kind of mood you're in. We're going to work today, you know. So... And that the difference there, you know, uh, versus a gym member is, is you got to, you got to kind of get into them a little bit. Whereas, you know, somebody, uh, a golf member, you know, if, if they're in a bad mood, you got to just kind of work around that bad mood and you got to let them be in that bad mood. You can try to change them, change the way they're, they're feeling that day. But if they're pissed off, then that's kind of who they're going to be that day. But that gym member, man, it doesn't matter what kind of mood they're in. It's time to go to work. Yeah. Dude, uh, I was thinking about this too. I, so I didn't really... I, I like always assume this. I never realized it really until I wanted to become a personal trainer. But I think the majority of trainers are bad trainers. I would agree. 100%. I would totally agree. Hundred percent. Yeah. And I, I don't. What are your thoughts on that? Like, why? Why do you feel that way? Because like, I, feel, I really believe that. Like me personally, I feel like a lot of trainers nowadays they are very book smart they pass the test right, right. there's so right. many companies that offer you know personal training and certificates out there that you know they go they they read what's on the internet and they pass a written book test and then they go to a big you know global gym let's call it and they get a job and you know they call themselves a trainer and then right. from there they think they can do online training and this and that but they've never been through it like they just they like to go to the gym but they never been in the trenches a lot of them you know what i mean like 
they don't have a background in it, a history of it. You know, a lot of them probably, it seems like a lot of them now never even, didn't even come from a sport. They just, you know, they picked up from yeah. the gym and said, man, this would be cool. Like, right. I like this as a job. And, right. You know, but they have no, they've never been through the struggle of either losing weight or gaining a ton of muscle or preparing for, you know, a right. sport. I think it's like a fair, it's a weird industry, you know what I mean? Like, it's a weird job, but I think it's fair, like, because I've thought about it too, like, do you make the cost of entry harder? Or like, do you make like what you have to do to become a trainer harder to get rid of bad trainers? Right. But really, for the most part, you're, you're your own boss, you create your own business, you're either yeah. going to make it or not. And right. if you're a bad trainer, you're only going to, you're going to have a client that's never going to be a returning client, or you're just... You're not going to make it. You're not going to grow your business. Sure. Right. So, like, you guys have been trainers for a while. Do you – what – obviously, I feel like just from being a trainer, personal, it's a lot different in person than online, first off, because I've done sure. it online for a couple of years. But, you know, when I think about the way I went about it, my first month of training, which is only six months ago, and with the way I think about how I go about it now – I'm like, fuck, I've gotten a lot better and there's some stuff I just wish I wouldn't have done. So right. like when you first started out compared to where you are you now where you are now, what do you think the biggest difference is and how you view what it takes to be a good trainer? I think for me is that, you know, there, when when I first started I was at twenty four hour fitness, which now is uh, I believe well, it went to Genesis and I think now it's Gold's Gym. I don't know. They've tra they've transferred a lot, but you know, like Jesse was talking about before, you've got all this knowledge and all this book knowledge, but it's like, how am I going to make that practical? And there, you know, it was like, it was very much about, okay, there's three S's. There's your science, there's your service, and there's your sessions. And, you know, trying to balance out all three of those. Okay, how many sessions can I bang out in a 40-hour work week? How can I service these people? And then... How, 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 how do I apply that all the science that I've learned to that I think the biggest difference then to now is back then it was like you wanted to make that person you, I think you kind of wanted to you're, you're, you're going okay this person that you know how, how am I different how am I different from any other guy in the gym because when you're at a big gym like that there's a ton of people in shape and it's like well you know any of these guys that are in shape they could just show me how they got in shape. Just take me through what you did. You know, why am I going to pay you $50 a session to do what all these other guys that are in shape can do too? And it's like, so you're really wanting to prove to everybody, okay, well, I've got all this knowledge and I really want to use these big terms and I want to, I want to be able to really impress them with my knowledge so that that way I can justify spending this $50 a session with them. So at that, at that point, I'm sitting there and, you know, I'm trying to really impress all these people with all my knowledge. And, I'm, and after a while, I realized, that's not really what people are here for. They're here to get, you know, they want to see results. And as I, as I grew uh, as a trainer and I, I realized, you know, you kind of have to really identify your client and what are they there for. And, you know, majority of them are there for, to see results. Whereas, you know, you've got other ones, they want you to, you know, some days they're, you're almost like a psychiatrist, you know, you're kind of listening to their problems. You, you still want to keep them moving. And other ones, you know, like we've got a, a client here currently, and she wants to know why we do everything. Well, why, why do we do this? Why, why, would, why would I want to even do that movement? And then that's where the science comes in. So I think where, I've, so really, true. Yeah, so where true. I've changed is just that I'm not really out there trying to impress anybody anymore and trying to justify why I'm charging somebody something. I'm learning, I've learned to really just meet that individual's needs. God, it's, a, yeah. it's spot on. Yeah. Like, because when I, I, I was in an environment in college around people who knew way more than me. Right. Way more than me, like to the science pinnacle T, you know what I mean? Right. And it made me really interested in that, but when I was going about, cause like there's an extent that you're a salesman. Right. And you're a personal oh, trainer. Sure. sure. And my way of selling and just like justifying, you know, my rates would always be, I'm gonna tell them why I'm doing this. Right. The why behind it, the science, assuming that everyone, that That's was, enough. that yeah. was like, Okay, so yeah. you know what I mean? Right. But it's so true. It's more figuring out what exactly do they want. They don't right. give a fuck about right. if because the way we're doing this right. is going to get them that. You know, they just want to be told, I can help you do this. Right. And if you just deliver, right. it's that. And But you're right. There's some people who come to me and they're like, I just want to understand why 
and right. the why behind it. And that's what interests me. And then I feel like a lot of those clients too are ones that they're one and done. You know, they come in, you, you give them a month of training and they right. can take it and run with it. Cause right. all they wanted was the, the expertise, you know, right. they're, they're paying more for expertise rather than the accountability and right. stuff like and that. The, the, the confidence factor. A lot of clients they'll ask, you know, Hey, I want to train with you cause I'm not, I go in the gym, I, I do bench press or this and that, but I'm not sure if it's the right thing to do. I'm not sure yes. if this is what's gonna get me all the results. So they spend a couple months with you and then they figure they got it and then they go on. But, right. you know, I'd say, you know, I think it's still foolish of them to never come back because as trainers, we we learn new shit every day. Like we're right. always either, you know, you can be on social media, YouTube, you know, taking, you know, those, uh, those requirement courses that you got to take to keep up your certification, we're always learning something new, man. The game is always evolving. Science is always telling us something new. So uh, I, I can remember just, you know, how I would go about doing a bench press even a year ago from how my technique has changed to this year, just because, you know, I learned a new little tweak. Yeah, something yeah, that gets yeah. a little bit better. So as trainers, just ex obviously with experience, we get better and we get better. And I think you get more confident because I remember right. when I first started, I was just like, I had everything like to the T written down. Whoa. <laughs> Telephone guys. Yeah. Highline bling over here. <laughs> this guy. Oh, this goon. That makes awesome. sense though. Like I, there's a, like, even the last month I've changed a lot of my like beliefs in training yeah. and the way I go about it. But yeah, you know, I, I completely agree. Yeah, that is so true. And, 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 uh, you know, so golf instruction obviously is a big thing that I do. And I, 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 one of the things that I've really taken from the best instructors in the world, Butch Harmons and people like that, that have worked with Tiger Woods and people like that is they've always said, don't ever, don't ever stop learning and don't ever stop evolving. And I think that's so true in training is, you know, I've met some of these guys that are so old, old school and they're <laughs> so just married to this one method and it's like you know you're you're doing your people a disservice because there's so much new information out there yeah. and you're just you're, you know you're just stuck on well no no, no this, you know this is how we do this and you're not willing to evolve and you're not doing your clients the best the best service that you possibly can so I, I think that's awesome that you two said that because you should always be willing to grow and you should always be willing to change you know and it's okay to admit that hey you know what I believed six months ago is maybe not necessarily true anymore you know because there's new information i think i think that's huge for being a good trainer a good teacher uh a good anything when you're trying to when you're trying to help people grow so here's another thing too have you read like anything about uh tim grover michael jordan's trainer like his yeah. story yeah there's a and i haven't finished the whole book but there's a book uh about him he might have he might have written it i'm gonna look it up in a second but how he uh, wanted to train Michael Jordan. And when he called uh, the Chicago Bulls, he was telling whoever he had a contact that he wanted to train Michael Jordan. And got him in contact with Michael Jordan and he was like, I'll give you a 60 minute session and we'll see what happens. I mean, this guy had not trained a professional athlete. Right. And his dream was to train, you know, professional athletes at the highest level. And he went in and that single session had sold Michael Jordan and he trained with him his entire career. Yep. He's trained Kobe Bryant, uh, Dwayne Wade, all these crazy, you know, highest level basketball players. Right. And uh, it was never even about his methods of training. Yeah. It was deeper than that. It was the way that he was able to motivate them, the right. way that he was able to just like click with them and build a relationship. Yeah. So on that aspect of training, talk I, about that a little bit. like. I think I think that's just as imperative as your experience. Sure. I, I think you have to. I mean, Chris kind of mentioned it before. Kind of be authoritative, and I guess a better word is be a motivator. You have to because not everybody is is driven by the same thing, right? Like my aggression goes well with some people who I know, like former athletes that can handle it. I mean, just earlier today, I had two young ladies doing the same exact thing, same exercise. One of them quit on me. And the other one, she buckled through. Well, the other one, she played, you know, overseas basketball. She was a pro, uh, right. you know, playing basketball. The other one just, you know, she's trying to just lose weight. You know, she she's unfamiliar with the gym. Right. Um, it was a hard, difficult drill, but you got to be able to talk to both of them and, and understand, like, what are their needs and what they want right. and, and kind of, you know, work around that. Um, you know, 
kind of going back on it, maybe I shouldn't have had them doing the same thing. You know, I, I realize it's kind of, you know, the effort that one is going to give me, the other one's not. So you got to know who you're dealing with. You got to learn how to be able to talk to them, to get them to do what you need from them and, and get them to keep going. Now, as I mentioned, the other one, she kind of quit on me, but, you know, give her a second, let her, you know, recoup yeah. and then get, get, you know, let her give her, her time. Let her feel like, okay, you got this, and let her go right. back to it. Whereas right. the basketball player, all I had to do was just tell her, no, nah, keep going. You got right. it. You know what I mean? Right. She's and she, that. And yeah. she's going to do it. You know what I mean? No matter how tired she is, she's going to give you everything she's got. Right. So you got to know how to deal with people. I think that's, that's yeah. man, right up there with your, your experience level. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Intuitive. Really, very intuitive. Yeah. What I think is really interesting about that is the basketball player, she has learned to break through that threshold that everybody gets to. Everybody at some point gets to that threshold. And a lot of people, they just back off. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't, I don't like how this feels. It's like, no. Sometimes you got to just learn how to break through that. It's more of a mental barrier than anything. Yeah. You know, and that's what I think a good trainer does too is they, is they get somebody to be able to do something that they didn't even think that they could do. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think that's huge. On the athlete side of thing, it's crazy, like, how many great athletes or people who have great athletic ability – never become great because of the, the mental aspect. Right, of the like the, right. The, the elite athlete's mindset is, I think people sleep on that mindset. Even oh, if they don't have the greatest yeah. athletic ability, right. their mindset will take them to places they never yep. would have imagined. Yep. It's, it's crazy, because I mean, to be an elite athlete, to be the best of the best, anything you have to do, you end up, you put in more time than anybody else pretty much, right? Yeah, right. You're most likely, and then you're devoted to that, you're dedicated to that. So you're gonna do the hard stuff, whether it's the nutrition or you know getting the proper sleep or you know what I mean? Not going out and partying as much or not drinking as much or this and that. Like, so you sacrifice a lot and a lot of people aren't willing to do it. So yeah. you got to give it up to your high athletes. Um, right. Tom Brady's perfect example. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, crazy. On a side note, so the young lady who stopped, she quit at first and she got back to it. How I motivate her to get back to it is I turn on Instagram live. And she did not want social media. Oh, yeah, she did yeah. not want social media to see her yeah. quit. Oh, yeah. So she got back to it. You know what I mean? You just got to yeah, know. By all means. Of, by all know, means. What gets people going. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's big on social media. So I, I knew that would motivate her ass. Yeah. And it did. You know I love it. So you got you to learn who your clients are. I did. I, w I brought up the camera for one of my seventh grade. Garen. You know Garen. Yeah. And he works hard. Gare Bear. Yeah, Gare Bear. He, he works hard. And you know what's funny? The first time he came in, you know, he he really impressed me as far as his ability just to like tell, show him pop and skip, lower pop and skips, pop metrics. Because I didn't know how good of an athlete he was. Right. And but I mean, super coachable, like really impressive, way yeah. above some you know other people I've seen at, older than him. But yeah. I whip out the phone for Kane Spilly Chops. Yeah. Does is the last set perfect set? Wait, yeah. You know, you know, better than other sets. Yeah. I'm just thinking, man, maybe that's all I had to do. But yeah. I tell a lot of people too. When if they struggle with form or they just want to you know see what they look like when they lift, um, it's crazy how much recording yourself right. will expose you, and that's yeah, the one oh, yeah. thing that has improved my oh, technique yeah. and game a lot. And uh, if you really want to get better at lifting weights, particularly or just anything, maybe speed and agility, anything I think with movement, looking at yourself, anything with movement, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So do you tell people, uh, athletes in particular? What, how? Because like people come in here two days a week. What do you tell them to do on their own if they really want to do more speed and agility work and lifting? I usually try to keep it simple to, to basic stuff for for my athletes when it comes to that. Um, as far as you know, ladder drills. You know, I always do ladder drills. Um, it's a I think it's a great you know warm up conditioning type of drill. And then obviously you know fast feet. You know quick feet. You know um, it's 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 great. So. Yep. It's a cheap investment. You get a ladder, go to town, right? All yep. the drills that we go over, you can go on YouTube and find plenty more. So yep. working on that, uh, it just coordination, stability, you know, again, just quickness. Um, the ladder drills are great. And then um, core, uh, I think, you know, this is simple stuff. Core work, one, that's the go-to. The, the stronger your core is, the better you lift, the faster yep. you run, the higher you jump, right? Yep. If, you're weak at the, if your core is weak, you're going to fail at some point in time because of it. Yeah. So I, I, those two things I always press on my athletes to do outside of what we do. Yeah. Being an athlete, though, what's your biggest regret? Something you wish you would have done? I've got uh, – God, i got a lot of them. I've got a lot on that, too. Um, I'm going to pass this over to Jesse and Austin. I this is this is good this is good for you guys to hear. Typical life of a trainer, we don't actually don't get to sit down that long. I actually have to go run a twelve o'clock class. 
One thing I, I want to say before I leave you guys for this first time. It's 12.08, buddy. It's 12.08, I know. I hope they're <laughs> down there warming up. Uh, is I, if you've made it this long in this podcast, I'm going to tell you what. Sitting in this room, uh, we are going to have a lot, a lot of great guests, but sitting in this room right now is just some of the most diverse and the most just wi- the widest array of experience in the fitness industry. And, you know, that's obviously me not being very modest because I'm including myself in that. But there are... It's real, though. Yeah, it's real. And there's, there's, so much, there's so many years of experiences and so many, you know, and so much expertise sitting here in this room that I'm telling you, the value in this podcast is like... It's going to be unreal. It's going to be unreal. Because I yeah, think a, you're right, a lot of podcast members, like, we would all be a certain in a certain niche doing the same thing right. same age but we're right. all doing something different but right. kind of in the same realm yeah yeah so so stay tuned and we're really excited about the value that we can bring and uh and we're just we're just really excited to do it i i just love to sit here and talk about this stuff all day so jesse and austin and we have a lot to disagree about too. We, we have a lot to disagree about and we'll probably do some of that here in the in the upcoming episode no question yeah it'll be it'll be some good dialogue yeah, so i'm gonna go down and hopefully put these people through a good workout y'all have a good rest of your cast we will <laughs> we'll a good discussion yeah good discussion uh man well what a great question uh, so as an athlete really take this now. as an athlete things that I regret. What What is my biggest regret? Um, like maybe all the way. Back, let's because I want to talk about this too. High school. Let's go back to high no, school. No, no doubt. I, I want to say my first biggest regret, and, and honestly, I don't really regret much in my life. I, I'm, I'm not there, but there is one thing that I do look back upon, and if I say if I could do it over, I would do it over. It was the choosing my high school. Really? Yes. So. Uh, I grew up in the inner city. I grew up on 12th, uh, 12th in Brooklyn, so right there uh, on 12th Street by the Gates Barbecue, if anybody is familiar with that one in the city. Uh, grew up there, lived there all my life. My mother still lives right down in the area. Um, so I went to Basel uh, Middle School, and uh, at that time, Basel High School did not have a football team, um, and you had to have some kind of performing arts skill to get into Basel. Otherwise, in my district, I would have went to Northeast, which, you know, at the time, the school districts were not being, you know, I think the accreditation was lost at that time already. Um, and then we just know, like, the inner school, schools were struggling at that point. I was lucky enough where, you know, I had uncles and my grandmother who all kind of pitched in and helped my folks send me to a private school. So they asked me one day, sat down with me and told me they were going to do this and was like, hey, you know, do you want to go to O'Hare or do you want to go to Rockhurst? And I knew a couple guys who went to O'Hare already. Um, so, uh, and I knew of Rockhurst, but I didn't know anybody who went there at the time. Uh, turns out my best friend actually ended up going, but he was a year younger than me. So, uh, but anyway, they gave me the choice and, and I foolishly, um, and, I, and I don't say this, nothing against O'Hare, but I picked O'Hare. But the only reason I picked O'Hare is because it had girls. That is the, <laughs> the only reason. Oh, Rockhurst is an all-boys school, but at that age, man, that's at, yeah, hard to turn at, that down. It, it was, it was, it was, it was foolish. It was, it was dumb. And at at the same time, it was just a naive move. Or, you know, I didn't have the knowledge because at that time I didn't know what six A meant versus three A. Yeah, you know, the yeah, whole, yeah. the whole, you know, Rockhurst people don't know it's an all-boys school. It's a private school. It's an expensive high school. Yeah, but they, their sports teams are great. They're, great yeah. coaching. I mean, academics are great. Yeah, Again, it's just and, a, yeah, it's, it's high class school. It's a huge school with all boys. So you just think about you know the 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 number of athletes that they have come out in the competition that they have. So back when I was in high school, I mean, they were the football team to to. In the area, the coach, you know, they were nationally. He was like a what was his co- coach set or coach? Uh, uh, set is it coach set? No, uh, it was. Uh, he's like a legend. Yeah, he's, he's like a I legend. Can't remember his name. He still yeah. coaches. It might have been his last year. I think yeah. it was his last year. Yeah. So uh, that that take going back there, I guess just making that choice was probably the first mistake that, yeah. that I that I seen. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. How about yourself? What's one? Uh, so me, like, I, I was lucky, like, I, I didn't have, a, you know, a choice, but I went to Lee Summit High School, they brought in a new coach, completely changed the weight room, I, I got in at a really good time as far as, like, getting good coaching and, and a weight program, and, you know, when, when you're doing conditioning stuff, the, the, you always hear in movies, like, 
give it your all or else you'll regret it in the future. Right. Nothing about work ethic I regret. I, my work ethic was, was, I felt really high and that wasn't an issue. I just think a couple different things I regret. Number one, biggest thing of all is uh, quitting. Like I, I was always a three sport athlete all the way until going into my junior year. I just quit basketball and baseball because my mindset was I wanted to be a football player. And when I, when I did that, there was a lot of benefits I got from being a like diverse athlete that I think I lost. Yeah. I started focusing on gaining a lot of weight because I was playing. I, I, I went from running back to playing outside the box, more of like a, almost like come up safety outside linebacker to being in the box. And my mindset was, oh my God, if I, I was so caught up, another thing, I was so caught up in trying to play division one football that all I would think about is, okay, I'm going to be a little undersized if I'm trying to play linebacker. So I need to put on as much weight as I you know, can. Right. My, I got chubby. I lost my body composition yeah. and I just wasn't as good an athlete. But gotcha. at that time, my biggest regret is how I viewed what an athlete was. Yeah. I didn't really view an athlete as someone who is diverse, able to do a lot of things. You know, I viewed it more as just strength specifically and then just like the mindset, which comes into play, but I just lost a lot of diversity, uh, a lot of mobility, a lot of you know ability to go out and and do a lot of different things that a lot of great athletes can do. You know, right? And yeah. that that's my biggest regret is is being too niche at such an early age. Yeah. You know, and tell me if you agree with this. I think like when you train athletes, the higher level the athlete is, I think the training needs to be a lot more specific and specific. But you know, it should be very general. When you're in high school. Oh, yeah. And I just didn't look at myself as that young yeah. back then. Nope. I think you're absolutely right. I think uh, for the most part, yes. I, I do say that it is becoming extremely harder for individuals who want to keep up. Uh, because there's so many parents now who are just putting their kids in one sport. They're forcing them to do one sport. And yeah. those kids, the ones that stick with it, one don't get burnt out and you know don't get injured along the way, they become studs. They become real good athletes yeah. at what they're doing because it's the, all they're doing is that sport, sport specific. They're, all they're doing is that position, yeah. and they become really good at it. So, you know, I, I do think it's you got to find that fine line because I, I think being a you know a, a diverse athlete, you know, I was a three sport athlete in high school as well. I think it does like it helps you in other you know areas like you said mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I think you're right about that and. Going back to me picking my high school and why it was a bad decision for me kind of goes into, like, things that I – if I knew then what I know now, right? Yeah. If I knew about the different divisions and, you know, how being a 6A school, being and playing a bigger school, you get more exposure, yeah, right? Because, one, uh, again, my coaches – I mean, I, I didn't get hardly any looks. We didn't have a lot of – D1 or, you know, yeah. big schools come in to watch our games because we were smaller school, you know. Um, my coaches didn't have those relationships to just be able to send game film to, you know, a top school and, and they take his word. So yeah. it was, you know, I had to send emails and things like that out, which never went well, or go to these little camps, um, which I probably didn't do enough of those either. Um, and then, you know, even from the weight room. Right. My I would say, uh, as you mentioned, you know, I've always been an athlete. My work ethic like yours, I wouldn't say anything about that. Like if we had anything going on, I was 100 percent on it. Yeah. But the thing is, like at such a small school, like the focus isn't there with like weights. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember we would have weights, but nobody would show up. But like me and like three other dudes. And it wasn't mandatory. No. Like, oh, wow. No, yeah. No, it was it was like. Yeah, we're, we're having football weights on Saturday and, like, four guys will show up. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, our coach wasn't bitching anybody if they didn't show up. Somebody didn't show up. That's you know? crazy. And then at the end of the day, all I can remember me doing was, like, I do, like, bench press and, like, curls and call it a day. I didn't yeah. even touch my legs. And squat. I didn't know how to squat or clean or deadlift when I was in high school. I didn't learn that until I was, like, shit, it's a good sophomore in college. Yeah. So, you know, if, if, if I had a dedicated program like that, who knows, you know, how – how much better of an athlete ought to be in just headed into college. Yeah, I'm going to look something up. I saw a documentary. It was like an E60 episode. Uh, I think it was the first strength conditioning coach that got hired at Texas. I think it was Texas. Oh, I'm going to look this up. But anyways, the story was, Yance, I think, no. 
God, I'm going to look it up. It was such a good E60. I don't remember the dude's name. He's a legend. I probably should. But it was before, like, strength and conditioning was really serious. Yeah. Like, people really valued it in college. And uh, this one team who uh, – they were getting their ass whooped and, yeah. by, and by these other teams. And uh, this coach came in, and he sold them on – let me – like, there was not a strength and conditioning coach back in this era. It, it, it was, you know, maybe – 60s, yeah. you know, back then 70s. There was, like a strength and conditioning coach was not a job. Yeah. And he convinced this team, I think it was Texas University, to hire him and pay him a full salary. And uh, he was definitely underpaid back then, but he came in one offseason strength and conditioning. This team came out and was blowing every other team out. Wow. They're stronger, faster, bigger. And, it, and at that point, everyone was like, oh my. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. It is, man. I mean, I like no no lie. Like by my senior year, I was probably bigger than everybody on my offensive line except for my center. Yeah. And he I mean he ended up we ended up going to the same college, but everybody else I could I could have played very well played online. I was like one eighty five my senior yeah. year. That's how small we were. And then the other problem is, you know, again, if you guys are listening, you, you might might be local close to our area. Well Lee Summit West opened up my sophomore year. Okay. So my freshman year, even though we were 3A, we still would like the year prior to, I think those guys made a run for state and this and that. So it wasn't like I was making a terrible decision. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't that bad at the time. But then Lee Summit West opened up. My freshman year, I played on a freshman squad. We went undefeated, destroyed everybody. And then we lost, I mean, more than half of the guys at least on the West when they opened up. Mm-hmm. Um, and they become a powerhouse, and we just went down and down. And yeah. Yeah, it was – it sucked, but you know. Have you have you seen any of the weight rooms like in Lee Summit or West nowadays? I haven't. I just visited a school like two weeks ago for the first time to see Jada play, but I, they look like massive. small college weight rooms now. It's crazy. Yeah. Even just seeing like before Coach Thomas, who went to Lee Summit, my high school got there. I mean, it was like it was in the wrestling room, and they had nothing, nothing. But now it looks like a, it looks like called weight room. All the equipment they have. Gotcha. So yeah, imagine like. That, like, it's funny. Think about this too. Have you ever watched like highlights of the NBA back then? And the, and always the argument is, oh, LeBron would dominate in this era, right? You know what I mean? And you look at it, and it's like, yeah, he would. But those guys didn't have the technology and the weightlifting we did, right? And I don't think that it's like genetics. Or, I think genetics are like, uh, like there's evolution of genetics. People are getting a little bit taller, but but I think it's more so the training. Yeah. I think it comes down to the training. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think it's unfair to ever – you got to say the greatest of this era. I don't think you could never, ever really say, like, this is the greatest of all time. Of all time. I agree. Because, I agree. yeah, like you said, things change so much. You know what I mean? Like, Will Chamberlain was the man back then. But he was – again, he was like LeBron of his era. Nobody was as big as him. Nobody yeah. was – you know what I mean? So every generation, like, you'll probably get it. A LeBron, you'll get a Jordan, you'll get somebody who's a standout, and then we'll call them the greatest of all time, mm-hmm. just because things change and people get better. Like, and and I, I don't know if you've ever looked at videos of Michael Jordan weight training, yeah. but I mean, it is with the most simple equipment ever. It's simple exercises, which I think you know the basics are great. You right. can make a lot of progress with that. But then I was watching a video of uh, 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 Giannis Giannis uh, training, mm-hmm. and you know he's in a col- college weight look look like weight room and he's doing just these exercises that you see a lot of the elite athletes doing nowadays it's like what if you gave michael jordan that right you know what i mean yeah yeah no absolutely i think you're right man like i said i i have never been the type to be like he's the greatest of all time just because i mean i i wasn't back then you can't i mean yeah. you can't you can't if they're not playing each other at the prime you can't really say that you know what i mean so but yeah i, I think obviously once you get to a certain level and you got enough rings i mean you can kind of be on that that top tier like okay he's he's if he's not the goat he's definitely one of them so michael jordan lebron james who, who do you choose then i mean uh, i i'm see, we get I, me I'm, and my buddies get huge arguments no i'm i'm torn i'm torn because like obviously ring is mike has got the he's got the rings he's got He, I mean, he's got the clout, right? He's he. I think he he's been the goat for some time, but I think LeBron's making it. I'm gonna still say Jordan for now. Okay. I think LeBron definitely has the potential. 
LeBron still he needs a few more rings, I yeah. think, um, to to seal it off. I think his accomplishments thus far are they will succeed, Mike's. Yeah. I think he will pass Mike if he just keeps doing what he's doing. Yeah. Um, but as of right now, I still got to give it to MJ because just because he's got the he's got the rings and he's got you know he's got yeah. the stats behind it. But LeBron is the man. There's no way to to, to disrespect that. I can't. Like when it comes to pure basketball, like you playing one on one, I think LeBron James would win, for sure. But like when I think of the goat, greatest of all time, I think like people who say Muhammad Ali is the goat, it's because of his impact. You know what I mean? Right. Like his impact and Michael Jordan changed. I mean, he was known globally. He was like the first athlete to be known in China and all yeah. this stuff, and to have that type of impact. And this is this is why people don't agree with this. But the reason I say Steph Curry's the goat, in in a mm. sense is because look at how people are playing basketball now in high school. The, he's changed the way people play basketball. People are shooting threes way outside. Like It's like, what is your statistic of being able to make a three right up on three-point line versus if you practice it 10 feet out? Is it or, you know, five feet away from three-point line? Is it really that different? If, if, like, is it really that much less of a chance of making it? I think that yeah. no one ever would think about going out and guarding out there because you just never think anyone would shoot out there. Right. But the fact that like he has changed the way people play basketball and he does it at the level he does, it's like his impact is crazy. His impact is has been strong thus far, but he's yeah I yeah I can never call him a go go or I can't even see him I can't see him getting to that level maybe yeah but I I, I just don't on see the him. impact I don't think he's gonna yeah. I don't think I don't know if he'd win a ring with the Warriors if he didn't have Clay nah man. um I, I I honestly feel like Clay is better than him yo hey I'm gonna come get you all right man. I got someone coming in, so this conversation is going to continue because yes. I can go about this too. I, I feel the same way with Patrick Mahomes, even though it's his first year. No, he's going to change the way quarterbacks play in the high, he, high school. Yes, he already has. He you know what I mean? Has, for sure. And yes, he the way he's playing and the way he's leading our Chiefs. I mean, if we get a ring and he continues that path, he definitely will be in the talk. Because you're right, he's changing the game. What's the youngest quarterback like year wise to get a Super Bowl? Do you know? Because if he gets one this year, that's second year. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Well, technically it's his third because he played his first year. But uh, All right, guys. Well, if you listen all the way, I appreciate it. Subscribe to this podcast on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, all that, all the good shit. So Amplify Podcast, type it in and it'll show up. Uh, we appreciate you all for listening. Hopefully we'll have a guest in next week. Uh, episodes will be out every single Monday. We film on Thursdays, and we'll get video content as well starting next week. So appreciate you all for listening. Yeah, appreciate the love, y'all.